All right, I got a message I need to deliver to you all this morning. Thank you for your enthusiasm. It's awesome. <laughs> Praise God. You really have inspired me and urged me right along. <laughs> As I said, my message is inspired, <coughs> excuse me, from the book. Oh, thank you, my brother. Hand me one. I don't know. I must have left all my information in my office this morning. Uh, if you have not yet received a handout, raise your hand. Our ushers will be delighted, in fact, to bring you one. I see hands up everywhere. These are important for a couple of reasons. Number one, to follow along with the message. <coughs> Excuse me. And also to be able to go back over the, uh, the message during the week. If you're part of life group, we utilize these as our life group um, on a video-based sermon uh, in, in life group. And so this is an opportunity for you to talk about that. And I believe that the word is so um, individual. It may have one thing to say, but each one, I think it speaks to each of us individually at whatever level that uh, we're at and whatever we need from the Lord at that time. Can you say amen? So I want to deliver a message to you entitled the Shema. Anybody ever heard of that word Shema before? One, Diane's heard of it because she heard me talking about it this week, a couple more. <clears throat> There's a story from uh, 1945 about a, a Jewish rabbi who uh, was searching for children that had been displaced during World War II, especially as they were being hidden and rescued from the Nazis at that time. And they were being placed in convents and farms and monasteries. They were all over the place. And his goal was to find them and in some way reconnect them with their families. And that's a pretty big goal. He had received a tip that there was a bunch of children at a certain monastery, and so uh, he uh, went there to see if he could find some kids of the Jewish faith so he could uh, reconnect them with their families. Unfortunately, the priests weren't super cooperative because basically, to their knowledge, all the children that they had were Christian children, and none of them were Jewish children. Well, the, the rabbi, his name was Rabbi Eleazar, Eleazar Silver, and he asked if he could go to the ward and visit the kids anyway. And so the uh, priest said, yes, yes, you can. And so we went in, there was a whole, just a whole passel of kids, and he began to sing over them, Shema Israel, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad, which means hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And a number of children's faces lit up. And as he was singing it, they began to sing with him the Shema. They recognized these words because they were bedtime prayers that were prayed by their parents in the morning and in the evening. And in fact, in many cases, it was, the, it was some of the very first words that Jewish children ever learned. Think of that, the Shema. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God is one Lord. Man. For centuries, parents taught their children these words, the words of Shema. As soon as they could speak, parents began to teach them these words. They were some of the most important words in the Jewish faith. More than likely, if you think about it, even Jesus learned these same words sitting on the knee of Joseph, being taught, and probably Mary, being taught, the Shema, even as, a, even as a child. And we may not understand the importance of Shema, but in the Jewish life, it was probably the most important set of words 
that anybody could know at any time. They were so important, in fact, that when Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? Whether you know it or not, he responded with the Shema. First words out of his mouth when asked, what is the greatest commandment? He replied, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, the Shema. Turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 12, and let's uh, read a passage or two of Scripture. Mark chapter 12, we're going to start with verse 28 and read through verse 33. When you reach your destination, holler out, I love the word. word. That's beautiful. Thank you. Verse 28 of the 12th chapter of the book of Mark. Awesome. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. It is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, and there is no greater commandment than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, there is no other but he, and to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Wow. Now when Jesus saw that, he answered wisely, he said to them, you are not far, said to him, excuse me, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Now if you are like me, And probably many other Christians uh, were, you know, were asked to summarize Jesus' words when asked about the greatest commandment. We'd probably say something about, yes, we're we're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, and, and a couple other things, and love our neighbor as ourselves, and bypass right over the actual Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one Lord. We would probably pass right over that if we were asked, what is the greatest commandment? That lawyer's question that day was not contrived, and it was not trivial, and it was not a challenging thing to ask. He was asking Christ to share with him the essence of the entire law of God. He was basically saying, what is the overriding principle that encapsulates all of God's instructions? And that was an important question because it was a question that the rabbis of the time and the Talmudim of the time, they would sit and they would often discuss if we were going to try to encapsulate all of the thoughts of the Word of God into one thing, how would we do that? And it wasn't that they would sit around and try to see who was the wisest and in their own words come up with this central theme of what it was, but their deal was to search for the one key verse that boiled everything down boiled all the rest down and focused in on one single point. So when you hear the lawyer's question or the scribe as many translations may see, in light of the Jewish context, we can actually see how profound the question really was. We hear it many times and think it was just trying to trick Jesus. 
It was a common discussion among the rabbis and their students, the Talmudim. So it was even more of a profound thing when he said, Teacher, Rabbi, what is, what is the greatest commandment? In other words, if you could boil it all down to one verse, what would your take be on that, Rabbi Jesus? And he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. Now, I know there's a second. He said the second is like it, but keep in mind that the lawyer didn't ask him for two. Okay? Jesus just said, I'm going to really bring this home. What I want to focus on is what is the actual Shema, and it's the first part of that. The Shema that all faithful Jews learn, every faithful Jew from the time their, their Liam's age or even younger begin to, even Charlotte's age or younger begin to learn the Shema. Amazing. I don't know, it might even behoove us to know it. You think? If Jesus learned this while sitting on his daddy's knee, that would be daddy uh, Joseph, and he was teaching him the Shema, and it was something that every single Jewish child, even to this day, we're talking millennia, learn the Shema. Number one on your handout, the word Shema, the word itself means to hear. But it's far deeper than just hearing. It's, it encompasses a whole spectrum of ideas that include listening. How many know there's a difference between listening and hearing? You know? I, 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 how, how many of you men are guilty of sometimes just hearing your wife and not really listening? Can I get an amen? All the wives, if you can believe that's true, just give me an amen. I figured that would be a more resounding. So it includes the ideas of listening, taking heed, and responding with action to what one has heard. That's what this word Shema means, to hear but beyond just the ears have heard something, but uh, uh, I've, I've listened to that. I'm going to take heed to it. I'm going to put it into action. I'm going to respond to what it is that I'm hearing. The natural outcome of listening in this case is responding in some way, shape, or manner. Can you say amen? Now turn your Bibles with me to Psalm. We're going to go to Psalm 81. And I'm going to read three different verses, three different sets of verses in this, so just bear with me and be with me as we go. I'm going to read verse 8, then I'm going to read verses 11 through 14, and then verse 16. Amen. So verse 8 of the 81st chapter of Psalm. Hear, O my people, hear, Shema. That's that word. And remember, it's more than just hearing with the ear it's about listening it's about taking heed to it's about saying i'm going to respond to what it is that i'm hearing and i'm going to put it into action so hear oh my people and i will admonish you yikes oh israel if you will listen to me there shall be no let me so that's verse 8 let me go to verse 11 but my people would not heed my voice and Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me. 
that Israel would walk in my way. So see, it's more, we're hearing a real definition of the word Shema right here in this passage of scriptures. He wants them to do more than hear. He wants them to listen. He wants them to take action where it says that Israel would walk in my ways. Verse 14, I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. Verse 16 now, he would have fled them also with the finest, excuse me, fed them also with the finest wheat and with the honey from the rock. I would have satisfied you. Hmm. There's some great, there's great benefit to us when we, Shema, hear the word of God. But that's more than just you're here this morning and you're hearing my voice. And you're hearing me say things about the word of God. It, to really truly shema it, if I can use that phrase, I don't think it's the best, right way to use it, but it would be that you didn't just hear it, but you, you took heed to it. You grabbed it and you put it in your heart. And you said, uh, I, I've, I've heard that and I'm listening and I'm gonna take heed to it. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond to it and I'm gonna get into action with it. And you see that he says here, boy, if only my people had done that, I would have, I would have what? I would have, uh, I would uh, subdue their enemies. I'd turn my hand against their adversaries. I would have fed them with the finest wheat and with the honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. See, for those of us who are simply hearers of the word of God, we do not receive the blessings as those who are doers of the word of God as well. Because we're supposed to be doers, not just hearers of the word of God but responders to it, and to put into action what it is that we've heard. Shema, the Shema, that's what that means. Shema is a call not only to hear, but it is a call to obey. It is not only a call to obey, it's a call to trust. And it's not just a call to hear, it's a call to obey, it's a call to trust, and it's a call to follow him. And what are we to obey? What are we to trust? And what are we to follow? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Four things. Heart, soul, mind, strength. So there's something to be said there that if the greatest commandment was this, Hear, O Israel, Shema, love the Lord with all everybody say all. all all your heart all say all again all, all your mind all. all your soul and all your strength what does all mean is anything left out of all all is an encompassing word that leaves nothing out now i doubt if you're like me, I doubt that any of us in this room have hit the all point yet. Huh? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Second thing on your paper is love the Lord with all your heart. Now, that's not talking about the beating uh, organ in your body. Heart comes from a Hebrew word, which is cardia. Uh, it means the center of your being. It means the very core of who you are. It's talking about your thoughts and your feelings and every part of who you are. We're supposed to love the Lord, obey the Lord, trust the Lord, and follow the Lord with our entire being, every part of who we are. 
with, with the force of all of our faculties, with the force of all of our affections and all of our desires, every ounce of our being is supposed to love the Lord. Amen. Hey, hey, teacher, what do you think is the greatest commandment of all? Now, you need to understand, <clears throat> the Jewish people were very much all about the commandments, all 633 of them. And for a, a, somebody to show up, Mindy, and say, hey, teacher, there's 633 of these puppies. Which one do you like the best? And he starts off with the Shema. Here! Remember, that means listen, obey, follow, trust, put into action that the Lord our God is one God. Love the Lord with all your heart. The, the second thing that he says here in these four items, and it's number three on your papers, love the Lord with all your soul. Now again, all of these words come from a different Hebrew word, so they in essence have a different meaning. Soul comes from the Hebrew word suke, and it means spirit or essence. We're supposed to love the Lord, obey the Lord, to follow the Lord, trust the Lord with the very essence of our being. And an interesting aspect about this word suke is that when you read down a little bit further in the definitions, it also means heart. That's pretty powerful. Heart and soul. Everybody heard that phrase before? Heart and soul, right? So that's the interesting part of it is to love the Lord, obey the Lord, trust the Lord, and follow the Lord with all your heart and soul. That's, let me tell you what, no part of your being is left out. No part of who you are have you retained for yourself when you have reached this point. We're to be sold out, lock, stock, and barrel in every possible way to our Lord God. Otherwise, if we've retained any aspect of ourselves, we truly do not love the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul. Hmm. So then we see the next thing, number four in your paper, and that is to love the Lord with all your mind. This one's about to mess with a few of you in the room because it messed with me, not yesterday, but many years ago. You should be grateful for that. You'll find out why. Mind comes from the Hebrew word dianoia, which means imagination. It means understanding your reasoning, your thinking, your goals, your rationale, and the way you come through to make decisions about things in life. We're supposed to love the Lord, obey the Lord, trust the Lord, and follow the Lord with all of our imagination, with all of our dreams, with all of our understanding, with all of our reasoning, with all of our thinking, with all of our goals, with all of our intelligence and all of our rationale. We're supposed to love the Lord, our God, with every bit of that. Now, this particular part of the Shema, as I said, it changed my mind about a lot of things, especially back in my worldly days. Uh, after I first got saved, I was a huge pot smoker. I was a drug addict for many years. I'm not going to go too, too, too deep into that. But I, I had a hard time kind of, you know, letting down, setting down the marijuana. It was a big deal. I was kind of confused about it because after I got saved, I would still smoke marijuana and I'd have some of the most fantastic prayer times. I mean, me and Jesus were truly in another realm. And I often found that many times when I was smoking a joint with one of my buddies, I'd witness to them, and they were so interested in what I was having to say, and I was thinking, oh, thank you, Jesus, that you've made every green herb-bearing seed good for me. 
And I can use this for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Smoke a joint, get them saved. Smoke another joint, pray for them. Do it all over again tomorrow. But uh, I ran into this scripture that says I was supposed to love the Lord with all my mind. Well, I, I did realize that when I smoked pot or when I took drugs or when I drank, it dulled my mind. It dulled my senses. It dulled my reactions. It dulled my thinking. And they caused my reason and my rationale to be dulled. They clouded and sullied my decision making. Well, I could just have a little. Isn't it crazy that when it comes to alcohol, it's called, when you get drunk, it's called what? Intoxication. T-O-X-I-C is right there in the middle. Toxic. What's toxic? Huh? Poison. Go have another drink of that poison. Now, well, well, I'm not drunk unless I hit a certain alcohol level. Can I tell you how relative that is? One person could go, could be buzzed after a half a beer. Another person could drink a case and barely catch a buzz. Huh? So, what are you saying, Pastor? Well, you ain't going to like it. Thank you, brother. I got encouragement by one person. It's my personal belief. Did I say it was my personal belief? Right. So it's my personal belief that you cannot love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, and at the same time smoke pot, drink alcohol, and take illicit drugs. Well, it's legal. I don't care. You cannot love the Lord with all your mind while taking something that dulls your mind. Period. Well, you're getting all up in your high horse. No, 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 I'm not. I don't have a horse. And I don't get high anymore, thank Jesus. It's legal. I can just have one drink. Yeah, go ahead. It only takes one drink and your senses are dulled. You may not have reached the level of legally drunk. It's amazing to me how many Christians will just stay right under that marker. Huh? Hmm. Oh, look at there. My brother's got his, got his phone over there. This is a perfect opportunity. You should have already been ready. When are you going to learn, man? Yeah, y'all just want me to preach stuff that makes you feel good and then go out and do stuff that makes you feel good because that's the result of feel-good preaching is Christians who just want to do what feels good. Huh? Can I help you? Smoking pot, drinking beer, and taking illicit drugs feels good. What? Well, I, I never had any fun when I was in sin. You were doing it wrong. Let me just tell you. You were doing it wrong. But things are supposed to be different now that Jesus Christ lives inside of me. 
I'm not supposed to take him to the pothouse. I'm not supposed to take him to the bar. I'm not, I'm, will somebody say amen? amen? Because I am preaching the truth to you today. There's some of you here in the room that you have recreational drinking. And you, you call your, you may be leaders of this church. Am I looking over my glasses and rubbing my head? Mm-mm-mm. Well, I, I, I just, I smoke pot. Can I help you with something? Do you think the Lord made the marijuana plant? Yes. Yes. Did he make it for you to smoke? No. I think it's just ridiculous in my, I'm, I'm bloviating now and I'm opining, but y'all just got to put up with me for a minute because of my time. I think it's just a ridiculous notion. I just heard on the radio the other day that there are certain restaurants, can't remember where they are, I think they're here in the country, where they are making it okay to light up at, at the restaurant. Isn't, isn't that ridiculous that they won't let you light up for the cigarette, but you're okay to light up for the pot, and yet the pot's harder on your lungs than the cigarettes are, and yet we'll smoke and or drink and or smoke pot, cigarettes, whatever it may be, recognizing that it's killing our body and think somehow that Jesus is okay with it. Mm-hmm. You glad I waited for you to take up the offering earlier? <laughs> I just, I, I can't get past it. It's just my personal belief that if you smoke pot, if you drink alcohol, and if you take illicit drugs, there's no way you can love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. It is impossible. Anyone that would like for me to move on, say amen. Mmm, pot smokers. Very nice. I see you. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know we're televised, right? You know, you know. <laughs> oh dear, he's rubbing his beard now. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Amen. Uh, so, like I said, this particular Shema changed my mind. I read that scripture. I've got to love the Lord with all my mind. I can't do that and smoke pot at the same time. Hmm. I was bummed out about that. I was certain that it must mean something else. So in summary, the love the Lord with all your heart, love the Lord with all your soul, love the Lord with all your mind, and here's number five on your paper, love the Lord with all your strength. Now strength comes from the Hebrew word iskus, which means energy. It means forcefulness. It means ability with might and power and strength. We're supposed to love the Lord, obey the Lord, trust the Lord, and follow the Lord with all of our ability, all of our might, all of our power, all of our strength, and all of our energy. Come on, you all. We all know we got our abilities and our energies divided. And the Lord left nothing out of the great Shema. The scribe asked, what is the greatest command of all? What is the essence of the whole law? And Lord, if you, if you boiled all of God's commands and everything that the Lord had to say to us up to this point, what would be the one thing? And the Lord replied with something everyone knew. He replied with, with something that, that 
automatically captured everyone's attention because they had learned it from childhood. Every word was a, was a word that the Jew recognized. It, their, their ears perked up. Well, I, I know those words. And he answered with Shema. And he said, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And he went on to give the essence of the whole law by boiling it down to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus' words call us beyond the norms of religion. Jesus' words call us beyond the place of the normal everyday Christianity. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Number six on your paper. We're not just here to hear. We are here to take heed, to respond, and to obey. We're not just called to believe in the oneness of God, but to place him at the center of our life. The greatest commandment is actually a, a call to commit ourselves completely to the Lord. That's Fundamentally, my heart as a pastor is to raise up disciples of Jesus Christ who are completely and utterly committed to the Lord in their very essence and in their very being. And I know that that is not a recipe for growth because people want a more user-friendly message, a more user-friendly church, make me feel good about my life, let me do what I want to do up to a certain point and still have all of God. Can I help you with something? That don't cut the muster with God. Every fiber of our being is to be consumed by God. I wonder if you can believe it and receive it this morning if you give the Lord a praise in the house of God. 